So before we look at the big ideas of John, there's uh, some other big things I want to talk to you about. And the first one is just a reminder that we have congregational prayer uh, in Saskatoon, 9.45, Tuesday to Friday. And as your schedules permit you, and I know work gets in the way of this for most people, but we have some really good and powerful times of prayer in that sanctuary. And uh, those of us who've been praying together now for 18 months uh, really see a lot of answered prayer coming out of that time. So I uh, just want you to be aware of that. Wednesday is our day of prayer and fasting. Encourage you to take time to fast a meal or two on Wednesdays. And uh, we have, of course, the Wednesday morning prayer meeting that day. We have a in-person prayer meeting at the Pine House Prayer Room, 5.30. And we also have the Zoom opportunity. So you can attend in person or join by Zoom. Uh, Wednesdays at 5.30, we'll get those Zoom meetings and passcodes up. Uh, on our Facebook pages uh, this week as well. And then this weekend is a weekend of prayer and fasting. Uh, Friday night, we're going to gather and pray. We're going to listen to a video teaching called the African-American Tradition of Prayer. Uh, there's some things we can learn from how uh, these wonderful people pray. And that uh, we're just going to get some understanding of how they pray, and then we're going to pray together. And then Saturday morning, 10 a.m., we'll meet over Zoom and uh, pray again together. So I just have a really strong conviction. This is not one of those things I'm kind of eh, eh, about. This is a strong conviction that the church is really only effective when it's walking humbly before the Lord and it's calling out to him and just over and over again saying, help! because uh, it's his help we really need. So I uh, just want you to be aware of the week that's ahead of us and some of the regular rhythms and routines of uh, the neighborhood church. I was in ministry for 25 years, already completed Bible school and dove in there full speed. And after 25 years, I decided to pursue some graduate work and go and get my master's degree. And uh, I strongly still remember the first morning sitting in seminary working on my master's degree. And I thought, I am in way over my head. These people, and I've been preaching for 25 years and been reading books for 25 years. These guys were using words this long that I didn't have a clue what they meant and everybody else was nodding and answering the professor's questions with words that were that long too. And I'm sitting here, yikes! And then they began to talk about a thing called primary documents and they said we want to be sure and want you to be sure that every time you submit a paper at least half of your work is based on primary documents and I'm nodding my head because I wanted to look smart and intelligent but I didn't have a clue what a primary document was 
truth of the matter is many of us build our convictions and our opinions on things that aren't primary documents. We decide what we believe based on the opinion somebody had about somebody else's opinion. And we build a new opinion based on the opinion of the person who had the opinion. And what they were encouraging us is if we were writing on the theology of Augustine that we don't read everybody's opinion about Augustine. We get in and we actually read Augustine's writings. We're going into a journey now in 1 John that is a primary document. This is written by a man who was with Jesus. His eyes saw Jesus, his ears heard Jesus, with his hands he touched Jesus. This isn't second-hand information. This is what he saw Jesus doing and heard Jesus teaching. Quite the guy. Wouldn't hurt any of us to have on our resume, best buddy of Jesus. Scripture describes John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Here's a man who, after Jesus was crucified and the resurrection and the ascension, went with his brother James and led the church in Jerusalem for 40 years. That's quite a tenure. 40 years of leading the church in Jerusalem. Now, he started hanging out with Jesus in his mid-twenties, so uh, he's about 70 years of age, and he gets in a boat and sails up the sea and then goes and pastors in Ephesus for 25 years. And now he sits down and he writes this book. <laughs> so this is, these are the words of a veteran. These are the words of an elder statesman in the church. This is not a novice speaking to us. This is a guy with a lifetime of experience behind him. And this is a guy who learned the first part of everything right at the feet of Jesus. Uh, so he says in verse number one, uh, verse number three of chapter one, I'm writing to you here the things we have seen and heard. That's what we're talking to you about. We're talking to you about the things we have seen, I have seen and heard. John has four reasons for writing this book. It's actually five, but we'll save the fifth one as a surprise for you. Uh, when you sit down to write a book, you usually have a reason you're writing the book. And, and in this book... Uh, and I encourage you to make a Bible your Bible. Mark your phone up. Mark your Bible up. Make notes of what we're going to discover in this journey. Four reasons for writing this book. Number one, so that our joy may be complete. Second reason he writes the book, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, uh, so that we may not sin. There's a word that has disappeared from Christian vocabulary. Vocabulary of sin? John is writing to us here so we may not sin. Third reason uh, he writes this book is 
There were a group of people, and we'll be talking about them a lot in this journey because there's no way to teach this book without talking about them, but there were some heretics out there who were trying to deceive them, and John wanted them to understand. There were people out there trying to deceive them. And the fourth reason John writes this little book is that we may know that we have eternal life. We may know that we may have eternal life. So that, that's some of the really big idea stuff that John's going to talk to us about here. But we need to start at the beginning, so we're going to do that. Uh, verses 1 to 4 of 1 John. That which you have heard from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, we look, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I want to point out two main things from these verses. And the first main thing I think John is writing to us here is that God wants all of us to have full, complete, perfect joy. Verse number four, I'm writing these things so that your joy may be complete. Why have, why have I expanded that to full, complete, perfect joy? Well, I went through about 55 translations of scripture this week. English versions I could get my hands on and look at. And when they came to this Greek word that the English Standard Version translates complete, they either translated it full, complete, or perfect. So I'm saying to you, God wants us to have full, complete, perfect joy. Amen. John doesn't say, um, I'm writing this book to you so you'll know the rules. You know what you're supposed to do. That's why I'm writing this book. That's not why he's writing this book. John doesn't say, I'm writing this book so you can win debates with other Christians. That's not what he says. He says, I'm not writing this book so you'll be a better leader. I'm writing this book so you will have full perfect, complete joy. Now, where does he get that from? Well, he learned it from Jesus. Jesus talked about this a lot. John chapter 15 and verse number 11. John chapter 15, verse 11. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Why did Jesus speak there? That my joy may be in you and your joy may be 
fall. Where's God's joy? Where's it going to be? It's going to be in you. That my joy may be in you. There's a lot of Christians whose joy is based on what's happening out there. Circumstances, situations. God's got something much richer, much bigger, much deeper for us, much more permanent than something based on the circumstances of life. He's going to give us full, complete, perfect joy that is in us. In us. John chapter 16, verse 24. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Time to start asking. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. He says, man, I want you guys to learn how to pray. I want you to learn that I've got great plans for you. And I want part of that for you to be able to enter into my presence in prayer and discover the full, perfect, complete joy I have for you. John chapter 17 and verse 13. Now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak to you, uh, these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Where do you get to, where does God want you to get to the place of? Where you don't have to run around and find some comedian to listen to for an hour before you fall asleep, so you feel happy again. God wants you to have joy in yourself. God's heart for us is to have this full, complete, perfect joy. And John continues in his own book uh, and talks about it in 2 John, uh, verse number 12 as well. 2 John, verse 12, though I have much to write to you, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. He says, the reason I want to get together with you is I just want to add joy to your life. Just want to add joy to your life. Full, complete, perfect joy. This, my friends, is something that is very, very deep and very, very rich. This is not silly happy. This is full, perfect, complete joy. This isn't a call on your life to become the class comic. And if you are a comedian and you can make everybody laugh good on you, most of us need more, need more comic relief in our life. But this is deeper than the ability to tell jokes. This is a full, perfect, complete, abiding joy in our hearts that cannot be shaken. Well, I don't believe that. I believe what the church needs is for people to smarten up and start taking God serious. We need old-time religion around here. I tell you, if you think you got old-time religion and it hasn't brought you full, perfect, complete joy, you don't have old-time old religion. You've got some counterfeit. Because 
biblical religion, primary document religion, religion that is rooted in Christ, brings us full, complete, perfect joy. So John's writing that for us, that we might have full, complete, perfect joy. Love Westminster Shorter Catechism. Not the first time we've talked about this year. What's the chief end of man? What's, what's, what's our reason for being down here? That we may exalt and enjoy God forever. God wants you to enjoy him and God wants to bring to you a full and perfect and complete joy. So how do we get that? How do we get that? Well, we'll go up a verse, go up a verse and go to verse three. And I think we, we get why we go, how we get full, complete, perfect joy. Things we've seen, heard, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ, full, complete, perfect joy is grounded in fellowship. Let me repeat that. Full, complete, perfect joy is grounded in fellowship. And firstly, it's grounded, rooted in fellowship with other believers. The word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, uh, partnership, relationship. Something terrible was happening in the world the last 30 years of that first century. Um, there was something new in the water or new in the air and it was called Gnosticism. And the Gnostics were a strange group of people. Now let me caution you here. The church very easily gets influenced by the world. The church very easily gets influenced by the world. And in the first century it was already happening. And there were, there were these Gnostics out there who, who were very mystical. They thought true meaning in life was found from discovering deep thoughts, getting deep revelations, and being able to come and say things that nobody else understood. And when you could say deep things that nobody understood, you had arrived at some high state of spirituality. So that was out in the world. You needed to have these deep thoughts going on, Gnostics to know. And it began to creep into the church. And as it crept into the church, the church became more and more divided. Because now there were two classes of people in the church. There were the super knowledgeable spiritual people who knew things that nobody else knew or understood. And the rest of us were beneath them and under them. And so you had the people who got it 
and the rest of us. And John is saying here, hey guys, this is nonsense. This is nonsense. The way you as a Christian enter into full, complete joy (laughs) is not uh, by uh, eating cheese and drinking wine for two hours and then saying, oh, help me, somebody out there, help me get some new revelation and then getting it. He says, the way you uh, enter into full, complete joy (laughs) is by hanging out with saints. That's how we grow together. We grow together in in fellowship. That's why we emphasize groups at the neighborhood. We need to be connected. We need to be rubbing off on each other. We need to help people uh, get, get to know the Jesus we know. Book of Genesis. First book. Everything's going really good for Adam and Eve. Get up in the morning after a good night of, of rest, and they'd walk around the garden, and they would have fellowship with God. God would speak to them. They would speak to God. And then one day, they're walking around in the garden, and there's uh, a snake there, a sneaky snake. And he talks to them and says, I I can take you to some place of higher revelation, you know. I know God told you not to eat that tree there. But man, if you'll just eat the tree, you'll understand some things nobody else will understand. You should eat that tree. Eat the fruit. And they ate the apple. They ate the apple. And what do you see happening in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8? All of a sudden now, instead of fellowshipping with God, they're hiding themselves from God. This pursuit of revelation and super spirituality where you know things other people don't know, you understand things, always leads to isolation. And isolation, my friends, isolated people never live in full, complete, perfect joy. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. How do you enter into full, perfect, complete joy? You get committed to fellowship. And you don't just commit uh, your fellowship to just other believers. There's a second level of fellowship that that John is introducing uh, us to here, and it's this it's this fellowship that that is grounded in with the apostles and, and, and the early church. Most of us live in time. Seventy years, eighty years, ninety years, we think we'll be around for some time. But the church is timeless. The church is timeless. And and John and Peter and 
and James, who lived 2,000 years ago, are still speaking to us, are still instructing us. And we can't limit ourselves to uh, generational arrogance that says, well, we're in the 21st. They didn't, they didn't get things 2,000 years ago. They didn't really understand. We, we, we got new revelation. We, we see more clearly now. The church is timeless. And we need to be in deep fellowship with the apostles. What did the early church do? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. How did, they, how did the early church go ahead? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They continued, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They were committed to fellowship. How do you enter into full, complete, perfect joy? You're deeply committed to fellowship. But what were they fellowshipping around? They were fellowshipping around the apostles' teaching. Not rooted in pursuit of some special revelation. They were always going back to the primary sources. What do you think about this, John? Peter, what do you think about this? James, what's your understanding of this? Always going back to the apostles. Always going back and fellowshipping with the primary sources. We can't have a, a faith that is limited to the generation we live in. We have to fellowship with the history of the church. We have to fellowship with the history of the church. Full, perfect, complete joy. That's how it comes. And lastly, and maybe mostly, most importantly, it comes, full, complete, perfect joy comes from this being grounded in fellowship with the Father and the Son. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, I... I, I I think we need to understand this. When God called you out of darkness, called you to be a Christian, uh, what did he do? God is faithful by whom you were called. What were you called into? What were you called into? When you became a Christian, what were you called into? You were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. We're called into this deep relationship, this deep communion with Jesus. We aren't called into a bunch of rules, friends. Called into relationship. Relationship with the Lord. Always going back to Jesus. Always seeking ways to hear his voice. Always seeking ways to find out what he would want us to do. Our fellowship is with Jesus. And why is this so important? It's because we become like whom we hang out with. Got to choose your friends wisely. You become who you hang out with. And what are the apostles saying here? You fellowship with us. You fellowship with us because we've been fellowshipping with the Father and the Son. 
And you need to choose friends. You need to choose Christians who, who make Jesus so beautiful to you that you just want to be with them because they, they've got this full, complete, perfect joy. And, and when you hang out with people who are like Jesus, guess what begins to happen in your life? You get more and more like, like him. I, uh, thank God for his patience. I thank God for his patience. If God wasn't patient, I, uh, suspect I'd be gone at least 90 times over. I thank God for his patience. I suspect in the last 18 months God's patience may have been tested more than any other time in the history of humanity. And I'm speaking to none of you but I'm speaking to all of us in the big sense of the church. I fear that the church has become divided in the last 18 months. There become groups in the church and that has never been God's intention and will never be God's intention if we're fellowshipping around Christ. But in the last 18 months, so much of the fellowship of Christians has been around COVID. And Christians have been gathering for 18 months now and talking about COVID instead of Jesus. And it must be grieving the heart of God. Our fellowship is not around a virus thing that unites us, the thing that brings us full, complete joy, the thing that propels the church along is this centering on Jesus, always going back to Jesus. Have to be rooted there. Have to be grounded there. That's where full, complete joy comes from. So we are. We have been called into the fellowship of his son. And I tell you, friends, it's really hard when you got your eyes on somebody as beautiful as Jesus to let other stuff distract you. But when you get your eyes off of Jesus, everything else can seem so big. Our fellowship is around Christ. Christ. So, quick review. What have I talked about tonight? I think hopefully you've heard me say three things. And the first is that we always need to go back to the primary documents. Don't build your faith on the opinion of somebody else's opinion about an opinion that's floating around.
go back to the primary documents. Secondly, we need to remember that God wants you to have full, perfect, complete joy. Everybody say full. full. Everybody say perfect. perfect. Everybody say complete. complete. Full, perfect, complete joy. That's what God wants for us. And it's not rooted in anything that's going on and around in the world. It is something that is deeply inside of us because the Spirit of God has done a work there. I write these things unto you that your joy may be complete, full, perfect. And thirdly, we uh, have been talking about where the joy comes from. It comes from being grounded in fellowship. The enemy will always divide and isolate. The enemy will always divide and isolate. But the place where God's presence abides is in the fellowship of the saints. Fellowship of the saints, now gone. Uh, the fellowship of the saints we live and move with every day. And mostly it's fellowship with Jesus.